This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's 1983. Trading Places is a smash hit at the box office. Southbound in April of 142! Mobile phones are introduced to the general public for the first time. This could make it possible to have a phone that travels with you. And televangelists like Jim and Tammy Faye Baker are preaching a new kind of religious devotion to a multi-million dollar media empire. Give us 300 more people to call on their credit card right now. But not everyone is bowing down to the almighty dollar. There's a group that offers another path to a simpler way of life, the Hare Krishnas. And they play out their public displays of devotion everywhere. Street corners, airports, even the movies. Would you like to make a donation? No, thanks. We gave it the office. Airplane is my favorite movie because of the Hare Krishna spoofs. They were such a presence soaked into the culture. In a decade where money, power, and status rule, the Krishnas are a holdout of the peace and love counterculture of the 60s. It's a religion based on divine love, learning to love God and trying to develop compassion for all. We had people from all walks of life, from truck drivers to college professors. The 80s was the high point for the Hare Krishna movement. They had about 5,000 members in the United States. Those who commit themselves to the Krishnas often have one thing in common, disillusionment. In my case, there was some emptiness that I was vaguely aware of. I was not happy with the way my life was going at the time. Charles St. Dennis, a 29-year-old California transplant, also shares a troubled past. Charles St. Dennis was a very attractive man. He was strong, tall, dark, handsome sort of character. Muscular, 
six feet two, the kind of irrepressible personality, very outgoing, larger than life. St. Dennis really didn't have what most people would consider a happy childhood. Charles St. Dennis's parents were alcoholics. Charles' father abandoned the family when he was young. He actually ran away when he was 11. After a tumultuous childhood, marked by drug dealing and juvenile hall, Charles finds the family he never really had on the Santa Cruz boardwalk. When he first met the Hare Krishnas, he was 16 years old. He was selling LSD on a pier. He saw them as the answer to the problems in his life. And he thought, this is what I need in my life. This is the key to happiness. For the first time, Charles has order in his life. The Christians tell him when to wake up, when to sleep, and what to do in between. He gives up drugs and devotes himself to living a spiritual life, a decision that will come at the ultimate cost. It's a profound, life-altering experience. In 1980, Charles moves to a Hare Krishna community in West Virginia called New Vrindavan. The members of the Hare Krishna sect who live here call their home America's Taj Mahal. In the early 1980s, this is really gorgeous tourist attraction here in West Virginia. Gold, marble, teak, all of it handcrafted. Inside the compound, life was less grand for the 500 or so devotees. Most of us just slept on the floor in our sleeping bags. We had to get up at two or three in the morning every day. We chanted for an hour. Then there was a morning service. Then after that, breakfast and then work all day long. Despite the visiting tourists, the Krishnas of Nuvrindaban are isolated, operating within their own world. The community involved essentially everything you need to run a small city, growing food, their own water treatment plant. Leading it all, Keith Ham, a Baptist minister's son from upstate New York, who's known to all devotees by his Krishna name, Kirtanananda Swami Bhaktipada. He was like a very wise and compassionate father that maybe I felt I did not have as a child growing up. Kirtananda definitely had a special presence. He was worshipped literally as good as God. I always saw him as a really complex person. He had polio as a child that, you know, permanently scarred him. He seemed so infirm physically, but he was so sharp mentally. He commanded a certain kind of respect because of that. We attributed him with divine qualities. We loved him, you know, and it seemed that he loved us also. So we were happy to work to build New Vrindavan. The Swami welcomes 27-year-old Charles St. Dennis, who shows his devotion by landscaping the palace grounds. Like all devotees, he works for free. Krishnas are taught to live a starkly simple life. When I moved in, they wanted me to throw away all my possessions. Most of us lived in poverty. You were expected to surrender everything. You're literally supposed to give up all desires and desire to only please God. No meat, no intoxication, no illicit sex, and no gambling. Also, you had to agree not to watch TV or movies, not to read magazines, not to listen to popular music. Everything had to be for Krishna. Charles sometimes slips up when it comes to the stringent restrictions. He was a good devotee. 
But at some point, he started going into the old habits with drugs and sex. Chuck was not beyond having his favorite beer. And he may have broken some of the other rules. Apparently very popular with the ladies around New Vrindavan. Rather than exiling those who can't follow the rules, there's a special place for guys like Charles. He becomes a fringy. They're on the outskirts of the community, several miles from the temple. Fringies are committed to the spirit of Krishna and the community of New Vrindavan, but not all of the restrictions. Some would come to the temple every day. Most would come once a week. They weren't following the principles of no illicit sex, no intoxication. But the Fringies were still surrendered to Kirtanananda. A year after he moves to West Virginia, Charles falls hard for a fellow Fringy, Deborah Gear. She was a community nurse. She was a very smart lady, very tough lady. She had long red hair, big brown eyes. They were a really good couple, very compatible, well-matched. They were both very strong-willed persons, but they figured out how to work out the differences so that they can stay together in a peaceful relationship. In the winter of 1982, Deborah comes into a surprise inheritance after her father dies. $50,000, which of course was a lot more at that time, and for Hare Krishna's, you know, no one had any money. Charles and Deborah wrestle with a difficult decision. Do they go against the Krishna way? Normally, that would automatically go to the temple or to Bhaktipad, Kirtananda Swami. Charles St. Dennis has this idea to keep the money. St. Dennis wanted to be independent and start his own nursery business. He and Deborah struggle with the dilemma. Charles wants to use the money to open and run the business his way, but he doesn't want to betray his pledge to the Krishnas. They decide that they'll give half of the money to the community, to Kirtananda. They propose this to the Swami, who grudgingly consents to the deal. I'm sure he probably didn't like the fact that Charles St. Dennis didn't want to give all that money to him. Charles and Deborah excitedly begin looking into building their new business. And things were looking promising, except they had a squatter on their property. This was Thomas Drescher. He was also another fringy, very tough guy. He was about 190 pounds, about six foot, mostly all muscle. He claims that Bhattipat said he could live on that property. Part of why he came to the community was to serve as a kind of protector of the community. There were a lot of locals going by the compound at night, like shooting the place up, and there were people like beating up the devotees, like out on like isolated roads. The Swami had trouble protecting the place. He did need someone there to protect the devotees. I did have military experience. In Vietnam, I was personally involved in quite a number of campaigns. Charles realizes the only way to get Drescher to move is to pay him to leave the house. But the Vietnam vet doesn't exactly go quietly into the night. He took a few things, like the kitchen sink, the hot water heater, appliances that should have been left in the house. And he kind of ripped him out. So, of course, St. Dennis was really pissed about that. But at least he's gone now. Finally, thank goodness. He can build his nursery. Now clear to get the business up and running, Charles gets financial advice from another fringy, Dan Reed. 
Dan Reed was a bookkeeper in the New Vrindavan accounting office, and he was very good at his job. With Dan's expertise and Deborah's inheritance, their dream of opening a nursery is well on its way to becoming a reality. It's been a challenging year, but as summer approaches, Charles and Deborah have reason to celebrate. St. Dennis's nursery was coming along. They had a planting party where they wanted to get all of their plants in the ground. All of Charles' friends stopped by, including Dan Reed. It was a fun time for everyone. Charles St. Dennis was the sort of center of all this activity and sort of engaging with everyone. After the party ends, the exhilarated yet exhausted couple gets ready for bed. When the phone rings. It's Dan Reed. St. Dennis tells Deborah, I have to go get $50 that Dan owes me. I'm going to go meet him. He tells her he'll be back in 10 minutes. Deborah suspects Charles is heading out for a little after hours partying with Dan. She said, don't stay very long, and then he drove off. Deborah wakes up the next morning. He's still not home. She assumes he is out partying somewhere and he'll be stumbling in anytime. But after a few hours and still no sign of Charles, she becomes anxious. Deborah reaches out to Dan. Dan Reed said Charles St. Dennis had not been there. She begins to get really worried that something happened to him. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's 1983, 
To the outside world, the Hare Krishnas are spiritual devotees seeking eternal bliss. But within the borders of their compound, there is discord. Deborah Gear is panicked. When St. Dennis did not come home, Deborah was really, really, really worried. Charles has been missing since the previous night when he left to meet his friend Dan Reed. Dan says Charles never showed up. Deborah jumps into her truck and sets out to scour the compound for him. Around the community, on the back roads, some of the dirt roads, it's kind of rough terrain. One thought she has is maybe that his truck fell off the side of a cliff. Went everywhere around the community. She was desperate to find out what happened to him. She reported it to a trooper. They said we don't start looking for missing people for 48 hours. Desperate for help, Deborah goes to see the group's spiritual leader, Swami Kirtanananda. She came to the temple at Nurvindavan and saw Kirtanananda and told her, my husband's gone, you know, missing. He didn't take it very seriously. She said he just acted like I was just a silly woman. She was frustrated that a lot of other people in the community thought that Charles St. Dennis probably just backed up and left. Charles, in his earlier life, was a little bit nomadic. Deborah then rushes to find Charles' friend, Big John, who lives across the border in Ohio, where he makes his living dealing pot to fringies. Big John's farm is a place that Charles St. Dennis used to visit regularly. As Deborah pulls up, she's relieved to see her husband's truck parked nearby. She anxiously approaches John. He said, I have no idea why that's down the street, because he was not here. I don't know anything about it. After two days of frantically searching, Deborah reaches out to her last hope, Sergeant Tom Westfall. He was called the Krishna cop. If there was any communication at all between the community and New Vrindavan, it probably went through Sergeant Westfall. He didn't see the devotees as some heathen religion worshiping false gods. The first time that I ever met a devotee, I noticed that he was a little bit nervous. We all grew up with the Vietnam War, with the hippie generation, all of that. So I put him at ease. We were very much alike, except they were following a Far Eastern religion, and I was enforcing the laws of the state of West Virginia. Deborah knows that if anyone will help her, it's Westfall. She was extremely upset. She was weeping. She was upset not only by the fact that he was missing, but it seemed like nobody cared. One of the things that immediately catches Westfall's attention is Deborah's retelling of the problems Charles had with Thomas Drescher. Aware of his reputation, Westfall believes the Vietnam vet could be connected to the disappearance. I never had anybody ever come up to me and say, what a great guy. Everybody knew what his role was there, and everybody feared that. Thomas Drescher had a criminal record that involved a lot of crimes that included violence. I was the security guard for the palace and that role was sort of expanded to being sort of like the you know community's policeman from there the role as you could say it expanded into other things his role evolved to also kick people out when they need to be kicked out or rough people up we do not believe in non-violence krishna spoke the bhagavad-gita on a battlefield krishna said fight for me we would get reports of fleeing devotees, that their cameras were taken, money was taken, credit cards were taken. And they would all say, it was Tirta, to Thomas Drescher's devotee name. They would say, Thomas Drescher beat the hell out of me. But nobody ever wanted to prosecute. How could a community devoted to the principles of peace and love unleash a man like Thomas Drescher on its own members? 
disillusioned devotees begin questioning the status quo. Hare Krishna, Despite all the promise of love and inner peace, the devotees begin to realize there's a dark side to New Vrindavan. During the 1980s especially, there was a lot of unfortunate incidences. And it had been in front of them the whole time. Surrender, surrender, surrender. Head guru Ananda demands absolute obedience from all of his followers. He would rise earlier than anybody else and he would wake us up in the ashram. He'd walk along and if someone wasn't getting up fast enough, he'd whack him with his cane. The Swami believes violence is even necessary with women. I can't say that there would never be a circumstance when it wouldn't be the best thing in the world to give her a, a, a little slap on the face. or you know, uh, Just like uh, my dog. Children are separated from their parents after the age of four. They also were super overmanaged. They were made to act like little adults. They were expected to chant and to sit quiet. They used to say, not a blade of grass moves without Kirtan Ananda knowing about it. I was afraid of him. Kirtan Ananda counsels devotees not to let the outside world know about the true goings-on within. Kirtan Ananda always told us, you should not talk to anyone else, such as the police. We don't want the people to know about any negative things that might happen here. Dresher may not have anything to do with Charles's disappearance, but if something has happened to him, the compound's head enforcer will likely know about it. Westfall tries to track him down, but it seems Dresher's gone into hiding. I was being told officially that he's been removed from the property, but I have other people telling me that he's there, that he's still coming back and that he lives in the area. At this point, Westfall becomes convinced something has happened to Charles. He confronts the Swami. Swami Bhaktipati told devotees not to talk to me. And I said, listen, I'm going to talk to you. And he said, well, I may not want to talk to you. And I asked him directly about it. I said, what do you know about the St. Dennis case? And he said, oh, everybody knows. He's gone to California, gone to do something. He's not here. He'll probably never come back here, and we don't care. Equally tight-lipped is Dan Reed, the man Charles was on his way to see the night he vanished just said that Charles St. Dennis had not been there. The next stop, Big John's. It's still a mystery why Charles' car was parked near his home. Big John was very honest with us, would cooperate as much as he could. It became pretty clear to me this was not part of what Big John did. My belief was somebody put the vehicle there. But who and why? After weeks of dead ends, the Krishna cop finally uncovers a potential bombshell. There had been some harsh dealings between Dan Reed and St. Dennis. Dan had heard talk that his wife was having an affair with St. Dennis. Dan Reed's reaction was, it must have been rape. So that made him really, really angry at St. Dennis. A verse from the Srimad Bhagavatam says, one who rapes a wife deserves to be killed with no punishment given to the executioner. It's been two weeks since Deborah Gere's husband, Charles St. Dennis, vanished without a trace from the Hare Krishna community, New Vrindavan. Deborah's really, really, really upset. She's frantic. 
Sergeant Tom Westfall has uncovered a disturbing allegation about Dan Reed, the man Charles was heading to see right before he disappeared. He felt his wife Brenda had been raped by Charles St. Dennis. Dan had heard talk that his wife was having an affair with St. Dennis, and when he approached her about it, she said it was a rape. Deborah says that she knew about the relationship between Charles St. Dennis and Brenda, but that it was just an affair. There was never any rape. Deborah has forgiven Charles for what she believes was a brief dalliance that ended long ago. But Dan had just heard about the transgression a month earlier. If Dan believed that Charles had raped his wife, could he have gotten his own brand of justice by going after Charles the night of his disappearance? When I talked to Dan Reed, his voice cracked. I could see that he was sweating and he was shaking a little bit. I couldn't exactly say that he was nervous because he had done something, but I knew he was nervous about talking to me. But he said he liked Charles St. Dennis. There isn't a shred of evidence that he knows what happened to Charles. Westfall continues to suspect that the volatile Thomas Drescher is the linchpin. Drescher tried to intimidate St. Dennis. But Drescher has not been seen on a compound for weeks, and he's not the only one who's made a hasty exit. When Westfall goes back to interview Dan again, he finds out he's gone too. Dan Reed moves back to Los Angeles. He crated up his motorcycle and shipped it, and he's gone. I didn't have any reason to get a warrant for him at that point, but I thought that was very curious. Months into the investigation, police are no closer to solving the mysterious disappearance. Deborah Gear was very frustrated by the fact that we were not getting any further. Westfall is stonewalled on all sides. The Swami won't cooperate. The people who may know what happened have left, and it appears the devotees have been ordered to keep quiet. As months turn into years, the investigation sputters to a dead halt. We couldn't go any further. We did not have the body. We were sort of in purgatory on this. But Westfall never lets go of the case, knowing that Deborah hasn't either. It was very difficult for Deborah. A spouse has disappeared. So, I mean, it had a greater impact on her than anybody. And I think she showed distress over the years. But I continued to investigate. I was forming up a group of police officers all around the country who had had dealings with the Hare Krishnas. Nearly three years after Charles St. Dennis vanishes, the sergeant gets a disturbing call from the Los Angeles police. A former New Vrindavan member living there named Steve Bryant was murdered, execution style. He was parked in his van. Someone walked up to his van, tapped on the window so that Stephen Bryant would turn and look at him. And when he did, he fired two shots into his head. And killed him. Westfall immediately suspects the California killing is connected to Charles St. Dennis's disappearance. Stephen Bryant had been a devotee at New Vrindavan and really had been a controversial character. He was expelled from the community by Swami and he was speaking against Bhaktipad. Steve Bryant was concerned with the various activities happening at New Vrindavan. He started traveling around the country visiting other disgruntled former residents, and he found out more and more about the allegations against the Swami. Here was Stephen Bryant, who was a dissident, and yet his punishment was not just banishment, he was murdered. 
That murder was done as an example to scare people off. The murder was one of the big turning point moments because things were never the same. A Los Angeles murder may finally lead to answers about Charles St. Dennis's disappearance from a Hare Krishna community over 2,300 miles away. The shooting victim, Steve Bryant, once belonged to the same West Virginia compound as Charles, New Vrindavan. The Steve Bryant murder was a very high profile incident. It was a clear case of murder. This begins to draw some larger media scrutiny to the New Vrindavan community. He was killed on the streets of Los Angeles. The media is a little bit thicker in Los Angeles than it is in northern West Virginia. The Krishnas of the 80s live in a somewhat more shadowy world. We had networks in and we had news magazine shows coming in and doing pieces. The organization was very out of control. Bryant was a disaffected Krishna who quit the compound in 1984, one year after St. Dennis disappeared. Stephen Bryant was a dissident and he was unhappy with how Kirtanananda was running things. He became more and more frustrated with trying to get somewhere at the commune, and he finally decided that he had had it. He wanted to leave. And he said that he would destroy me and the community. Bryant goes on a one-man odyssey, tracking down ex-devotees across the country. He started an investigation to find some dirt on Kirtanananda, and he found lots of it. Bryant uncovers various schemes Kirtanananda Bhaktipada utilizes to fund the upkeep and expansion of his ornate palace. Because of his goals, Bhaktipada had a very big need for money. Which meant collecting money by any means possible. There's a sort of famous picture of him seated on a throne, and he's covered in money that was brought in. He's celebrating the money collection. They did not dress up as they did in New Vrindavan. They made it very clear that it was important not to be noticed or known as a Hare Krishna. Fundraising practices that were extremely questionable at best. They collected money in the name of Normal, the marijuana organization. They collected money in the name of the Girl Scouts. They would ask for money to help starving children in Appalachia. Bryant also details shocking allegations involving children. Various activities happening in Yvrindavan, especially child abuse and sexual abuse of children in the community. They had a school at the property, and they had child abusers working on the staff. Bryant takes his story to the media. Even more damning, disturbing accusations that the guru himself is a sexual predator. Bryant found out more and more about these allegations of the Swami having sexual relations with the boys at New Vrindavan. Steve had many audio cassettes about sexual molestation of the boys. Bryant knew he was playing with fire. One recording is eerily foreboding. If those guys found me, they'd have me killed in a second. Now, his worst predictions have come true. With Steve Bryant's murder, all eyes are now on New Vrindavan. And for Charles St. Dennis's wife, Deborah, it's the break she's been waiting for for three years. There was so much media attention that came after the Bryant case that Deborah Gear was no longer somebody crying in the wilderness. She had a lot of people paying attention to what she had to say. The murder of Steve Bryant was an extreme turning point for the community because that's when the federal government got involved. 
We formed this task force. There were two troopers and it was an FBI agent. When the federal government entered the case, we had a lot more resources. That helped quite a bit. Two days after Bryant's murder, a new figure emerges, a frightened older man named Randall Gorby. He made contact with a trooper whom he knew personally from up in the area. Gorby did land deals for the Swami. He's friends with Thomas Drescher, and he has a spine-tingling story to tell. He tells them that he knows who killed Steve Bryant. While Thomas Drescher was sort of hiding out at Gorby's house to stay away from New Vrindavan and me, he told Randall Gorby that I'm going to kill Stephen Bryant. After the Bryant murder becomes front page news, he realizes Drescher was dead serious. Now Gorby's terrified that Drescher may regret his confession and could come after him next. Drescher must have recognized that he had a loose end that he needed to close. But that's not all. There's one more shocking revelation that came out during the disturbing conversation. Drescher tells Gorby, I'm gonna have to kill Steve Bryant, just like I did St. Dennis. Randall Gorby has just given Sergeant Tom Westfall the break he's been waiting for. The name of the person responsible for Charles St. Dennis's mysterious disappearance. I knew that Thomas Drescher was involved. Gorby tells investigators that Drescher said he killed St. Dennis and another Krishna devotee, Steve Bryant. He agrees to be a police informant. Gorby allows them to tap his phone. He has a conversation with Drescher about the Steve Bryant murder. The recording provides damning evidence that Drescher was a paid assassin who killed Bryant. It was a conversation about why Drescher hadn't gotten the full $8,000 for killing Bryant. I can't understand them not coming through with it. It's just ridiculous because they've got 100000 coming in every week. What agreement did you make, make with? Uh, well, it's just that eight figure. The source of that money? Swami Bhaktapada. When confronted, the Swami vehemently denies any involvement in Bryant's death. Did you give the order to murder Steve Bryant? <laughs> I'm surprised at you. Of course not. I could not do that. We don't even kill animals. As major news networks continue to shine a harsh light on Uvrindaban, Sergeant Westfall hopes the glare will reflect back to the unsolved disappearance of Charles St. Dennis and devotees will come forward. His hope is realized when three Krishnas tell Westfall that Drescher also made murderous confessions to them. Drescher bragged that he killed St. Dennis. We had formal statements from everybody. We had developed more information. The stunning information revealed that Drescher was not the only one involved in the murder of Charles St. Dennis. Dan Reed was an accomplice. Reed is saying, I want to kill this St. Dennis because my wife says he raped her. I don't know that we ever knew whether or not that rape ever occurred. In early July, while awaiting trial for the murder of Steve Bryant, Thomas Drescher, along with Dan Reed, is indicted on charges of murdering Charles St. Dennis. But there's one major hurdle. St. Dennis's body has still not been found. We were haunted by the possibility of losing the case because we did not have a body, but time ran out. On a cold winter day, the trial begins. 
One witness called today, Deborah Gear, was living with St. Dennis when he disappeared. Deborah Gear tells the jury about the feud between her husband and Thomas Drescher. Randall Gorby and three Krishna devotees also testify about how Drescher bragged to them about murdering Charles. The trial lasts four days. The prosecution has two premises to prove. One, Charles St. Dennis is actually dead, even though the body was never found. And two, that Thomas Drescher killed him. Drescher sits smugly through the trial, convinced that with no hard evidence and no body, there will be no conviction. And then on December 5th, 1986, the verdict is announced. The jury found Thomas Drescher guilty in the first degree of murdering Charles St. Dennis. Drescher is sentenced to life in prison without parole. I think Thomas Drescher was pretty startled. Reed, who has not yet gone to trial, is spooked by the swift and harsh outcome. It was not long after that that Dan Reed's attorney offered a deal that he would plead to manslaughter and that he would show the investigators where the body was buried. And investigators learned for the first time exactly what happened the night Charles St. Dennis left his home more than three years earlier and never returned. That night, as St. Dennis was winding down after his planting party, Dan Reed and Thomas Drescher launched their plan to lure Charles to a cabin. Charles St. Dennis gets a call from Dan Reed. He's thinking that they're going to do some cocaine together, and he tells Deborah that he has to go meet Dan. Charles drives up to meet Dan. Dan was sitting in the shadows, and Drescher was behind the door. And St. Dennis pulls up in his Jeep. He walks out, and then Dan confronts him. Drescher says, step inside, we want to talk to you. At that point, Charles St. Dennis turns to run away. Drescher had a 22 pistol and shot him about 11 times. St. Dennis went down, but he didn't die. St. Dennis is saying, what are you guys doing shooting me? You know, bullets in me. He's still trying to get back to his truck to escape. Thomas Dresser yells to Dan Reed, get me a knife. Dan Reed, who's freaking out by this point, runs and gets him a knife. Thomas Dresser stabs Charles St. Dennis multiple times. They're killing the guy, and they're ordering him, Jan Hare Krishna. They did enough to kill 10 men, but St. Dennis was somehow still breathing. St. Dennis would not die. They wrap him in plastic. The men are convinced that Charles is finally dead, but just like a character in a horror movie. He opened his eyes and said, don't put that over my face. You'll smother me. Drescher and Reed drive St. Dennis to a nearby creek. When Drescher and Reed buried St. Dennis in the creek, he was still breathing. The cause of death was drowning, technically. Tom Drescher buried that body under a moving stream. That will confuse dogs. That will confuse any kind of search party. After they bury Charles St. Dennis, they take his truck, they drive to Big John's farm. They park the truck there. I said, uh, no one's ever gonna find that guy. St. Dennis would have never been found if Dan Reed hadn't have gone to the authorities and shown them where the body was. 
Investigators finally have their answer as to how Charles St. Denis was killed. But there is still one more person involved in the gruesome tale, one who apparently authorized the murder, Kirtanananda Swami Bhaktipada. Reed is saying, I want to kill St. Denis. Dresher says, you got to come and talk to Kirtanananda. He'll know what's the best thing to do. I finally talked him into going to see Kirtanananda. After meeting with the Swami, Reed contacts Dresher. I said, how'd it go? He says, he wants me to kill him. He said, to get with you on and make sure the job got done right. Because of his offenses, he has to die. Dan Reed is sentenced to five years for voluntary manslaughter as an accomplice in the killing of Charles St. Denis. But investigators are unable to pin any responsibility onto the Swami. In California, Thomas Drescher faces yet another trial. He still had to face the trial for the murder of Stephen Bryant in California, which he was later brought out of prison and taken to California. Drescher is found guilty and receives a second life sentence. And with nothing left to lose, he finally reveals that the Swami had his own reasons for wanting St. Dennis dead. St. Dennis was telling people Kirtananda was having sexual relations with some of the Mexican workers, boys. It's because there was truth to his allegations that he had to be silenced. Whatever I did, I did out of a sense of duty to my spiritual master. Dresher realizes that he's been used by Kirtananda. He tells police that Kirtananda sanctioned both of these murders, and he is very adamant that he would never have done anything like that without Kirtananda's direct permission. Investigators work diligently to put the Swami behind bars for the murders of St. Dennis and Steve Bryant. In May of 1990, Kirtananda is indicted for mail fraud, racketeering, and conspiracy to commit murder. Dresher testifies against Kirtananda. Throughout it all, the head guru maintains his innocence. They said that I was, I conspired. <laughs> I don't see that. Swami Bhaktapada was sentenced to 30 years in jail. Bhaktapada was convicted on numerous counts. The Swami's convictions are overturned on appeal, but during a retrial, he pleads guilty to one count of racketeering and goes to prison. All three men connected to Charles St. Dennis's brutal murder found themselves behind bars. I could not help but think that Deborah was proved to be right. She was vindicated. The St. Dennis case was the beginning of the end of the regime of Swami Bhaktipat and the beginning of the end of his influence within the Krishna consciousness movement. During the 1980s, New Vrindavan was as much a crime scene as a place of spiritual enlightenment. In 1987, New Vrindavan was removed from the sanctioned list of Krishna temples and communities. It regained its status in 1998. In many ways, the Hare Krishna community is very different than it was in the 80s. The two murders of St. Dennis and Steve Bryant turned the tide regarding the corruption and immoral activities and criminal activities at New Vrindavan. The St. Dennis murder may have been more important in the long run because after Tom Drescher was put in jail, the devotees at New Vrindavan began to understand that maybe good does triumph over evil. Obviously what happened in New Vrindavan is 
a tragedy. Charles St. Dennis was an amazing person in his own way and in all likelihood would have settled down like most other people who got into drugs and had a wild time. I just see so much lost potential. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.